are in week four of Life on Mission, and uh, it's been an exciting uh, journey so far in this sermon series. And uh, if you're new with us, I want to recap for you really quick where we've been. Last week, we talked about the reality that Jesus is calling us to get out of the boat. And all of us are in a boat somewhere along the line in life, and Jesus calls us to get out of the boat and to join him on mission. And you might be saying, well, what does that mean? Well, another way to put it is, uh, you probably ask the question, what is God's will for my life? I'm trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. It's really simple. Go make disciples. Jesus told us to go do that. And that's what we're called to go and do. Every single one of us that claims to be a follower of Jesus, we're called to the Great Commission, to be a disciple who makes disciples. And the next question we've got to ask ourselves, well, what is a disciple? What, what, what is that? And for us in real life, we believe that the definition of a disciple is in Jesus' invitation to his disciples, where he said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you into, what's he say at the end? I'll make you into what? Fishers of men. And so for us, for, Matthew 4.19 is our definition of a disciple. Uh, a disciple of Jesus, someone who's following Jesus, come follow me. I will make you into, he says, it's a process of change. Jesus is changing you. Disciple of Jesus, someone's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus. And ultimately, he's committed to being on mission with Jesus, becoming a fisher of men. And so we've been talking about living a life on mission. What does this all mean? And understanding these terms and these definitions. And, and last week, we talked about Jesus calling you to get out of the boat because he believes in you. He believes that you can carry the mission that he's entrusted to us um, well. And that really, the, the idea of Jesus' reconcil reconciliation of the world back to himself is done through you. It's done through us. It's, it's us being disciples who are going to make disciples. Um, and so for all of us, we have to reconcile that, that God believes in you, that he trusts you, that he's entrusted the mission to you, and we're called to be a disciple who makes disciples. Here's kind of a new angle we're going to look at this conversation from and that is we the, we believe as christians that the gospel the good news that jesus's message is divine but we don't believe that just his message is divine here at life ministries we actually believe that his methodology is divine as well everybody say methodology, methodology. so the ability for us to look at his life and look at the values the practices that he lived his life with that if we are willing to emulate those things, if we're willing to take part in those things, that God can do divine miracles in those values and in those practices. Oftentimes, we divorce the methods of Jesus from the teachings of Jesus and expect the results of Jesus, but that's not how it works. Jesus calls us to not only believe in his message, but also embody the values and the practices of his message as well and in that come the results and the miracles of Jesus if we're willing to say no to ourselves and no to our flesh and say yes to Jesus and yes to his kingdom so the question we got to ask ourselves as we go on this journey is I want us to look at this slide that talks about the relational spheres I showed it to you guys a couple weeks ago that we have to remember we cannot forget this that we don't come to church and worship Jesus and then live like we leave here and Jesus stays here. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo and behold, I am with to the very end of the edge. Jesus goes with you in every single environment that you enter into. 
And it's Jesus' mission that should be at the forefront of everything that we think of as a disciple of Jesus. And the church is a place where we connect in a real relationship. It's where we're loved. It's where we experience the goodness of Jesus. But it's not just where we experience the goodness of Jesus. The church is also the place where we're equipped for mission. It's where we're equipped to actually go out and to love the world well and to lead the world well. The church is a place where we're equipped. The church is a place where we just don't consume. We actually contribute. And in that, Jesus begins the process of actually changing us. What does that look like? Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be at this morning. How do we get equipped for mission? Luke chapter 9, we just read last week, uh, Luke chapter 8, where the healing of the demoniac takes place, and Jesus is doing miracles and calling his disciples to follow him and get out of the boat, and sometimes they get out of the boat, and sometimes they don't. And then Jesus says, okay, I'm not just going to let you not sit in the boat. If you don't want to follow me, I'm going to actually send you out. I'm going to actually get you in the game. And he does that in Luke chapter 9. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them a power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Go down to verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. I want to look at three observations today of Jesus' leadership. And I want to look at three observations of what the disciples did and didn't do in regards to what it means to be equipped for mission. First thing is this. I want you to notice that Jesus is preparing them for ministry before they even realize what's actually coming. Jesus is always equipping us for the ministry he has set before us and providing opportunity that's right in front of us. You might be saying, what are you talking about? The end of Jesus' life, he dies. And are the disciples, are, are the disciples like, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Is that how the disciples respond? How do they respond? They're completely surprised by it, aren't they? They were expecting the kingdom of God to be ushered in and that God's kingdom would would rule with power and authority. And now the leader, the guy they've been following, the guy they've been entrusting their whole life to is dead. But little did they know that Jesus was going to resurrect. Little did they know that Jesus' kingdom was going to continue to move forward and that he would eventually stand up and say, go and make disciples. But Jesus doesn't wait to the very end for him to get his disciples equipped. Do you notice what he's doing? He's getting them ready for when Jesus leaves this place. He's essentially sending them out on a mission trip to get ready for when he's gone. He's equipping them right now. He's preparing them for the future ministry opportunity that's set before them. And here's the thing. Jesus is equipping you right now for the ministry that's set before you. Have you ever thought about that? He's equipping you right now. 
for the ministry that's set before you. Some of you are coming through here, and you're coming through here with really heavy shoulders, heavy hearts, because you're in the midst of tremendous pain, uh, tremendous trauma. You guys are experiencing what, what theologians and pastors call the dark soul of the night. Dark night of the soul, excuse me. Dark night of the soul, where you're, you're struggling. And you might be asking yourself, what is God doing? And I want to tell you, even in the midst of your pain, Jesus is equipping you for the mission. Because there's going to come a moment where you're sitting in a coffee shop three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. You're going to be sitting in someone's living room and someone's going to share and pour their heart out in front of you. And you're going to go, I experienced the same thing. And let me tell you how Jesus got me through it. You see, what you're going through right now, Jesus is equipping you for the future, for the future opportunity, for the opportunity for you to be on mission with him. You may not feel like it. You may not see it, but he's equipping you right now. Some of you, Jesus is inviting you to be that person for somebody else, to equip someone for the mission, to look at the opportunity that is set before us and go, God's inviting me into mission. He's inviting me to equip. Number two, I want you to notice that Jesus is really intentional about pairing them together in the midst of equipping them. He, he has them go out together and spend time together for the mission, which tells us that serving and being equipped isn't meant to be done. It's not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in relationship with other people. I find it interesting that I'm, I'm talking about this and, and Jenny just talked about what it meant for her to be a part of Life for Kids and the impact that she's been able to do and volunteers have been able to do in discipling children in Life for Kids. But did you notice what was most impactful for her? She talked about the relationships that she's had. The people that have invested in her, that have loved on her, that have encouraged her, that have challenged her. Because when we are equipped for mission, we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do in relationship with other people. Later on in Luke chapter 10, Jesus does the same thing that he did in Luke chapter 9, but it's a little bit different. Look what he does. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Everybody say 72. Okay, there were 12, and they were together, and now there's 72. Why is there 72? Here's why I think there's 72. Jesus equipped the 12, sent them out to, into the community to love well and to lead well. And guess what? I'm guessing other people came back and they were like, I want to be a part of this. And they started hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, these guys are ready to go. I'm not just going to send the 12 out. I'm going to send out now 72. And you want to notice? He sends out the 72. And how does he break them up? He breaks them up by... Two by two, I'm guessing, because probably a little bit overwhelming when 72 people take over a town, cloud of dust. People are like, are these people burning it down or are they here for a blessing? I don't really know. Like, so like break up into smaller groups. <laughs> don't scare the people, right? But he sends them out two by two. And notice what happens. He sends them out two by two out of them to every town and place where he was about to go. And then he told them this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. What's he saying? The kingdom of God needs more people like you, disciples. The kingdom of God needs more people like you. So go find them. And by the way, there are some wolves out there too. So stay close to me. 
Stay close to what I'm about. Jesus sends us out on mission to be equipped, and he does it in relationship with one another. But notice what also Jesus does. Did you catch at the end of the story in verse 10? It says, The apostles returned, and they reported to Jesus what they had done. In Mark's account, it says this in Mark chapter 6, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some, what's it say up there? Get some what? Time to take a nap is what he's saying, okay? Like, you're tired. Let's get some rest. So they went away by themselves into a boat to a solitary place. Notice what Jesus does. He sends them out on mission to be equipped for the mission, to learn to be equipped. He actually brings them back and they report back all the things that, that, that had taken place. Now, I'm guessing there were some amazing miracles that took place, but I'm guessing there's also some like tough things that took place because there's other parts of, of the Gospels where they talk about Jesus sends them out and then they come back and they're like, we couldn't do anything, Jesus. Why couldn't we do anything? He's like, because you didn't have enough faith. I'm guessing they came back and they reported all the amazing wind stories, but I'm also guessing that there were some very difficult things that took place as well because that's just what happens when you go out and are on mission. But what is Jesus doing? He's still equipping them because he's sitting down with them and he's debriefing with them. How did it go? What was good? What was not good? He's like a coach. How'd it go? Things go well? What didn't go well? But he also offers rest. And being equipped means resting. But it also means talking to people and sharing what's going well, what's not going well. What do we learn about Jesus' disciples? We know that Jesus is, is preparing them for ministry. He's preparing them for what's ahead. He's, he's sending them out in relationship together to go serve and be equipped together. He's offering rest for them and, and learning opportunities and, and offering opportunity for them to talk about what went well, what didn't go well. But what about Jesus' disciples? How do they respond? I want you to realize the disciples had an intellectual understanding of their identity. They understood that they were served for a purpose. Do you remember? It wasn't just to know what the disciple knew. It was also to become like their what? Their rabbi. Yes, Jesus is calling me. Yes, he's calling me to follow him, to become like him, to share in his purpose. Whatever purpose Jesus is about, I'm going to be about is what they understood. They weren't saved just to sit back and consume. They were, shared to act, they were saved to actually be saved for a purpose. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says that, don't you know that all of you are ambassadors of Jesus? And that you've been given, because you've been reconciled back to God, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation? Every single one of us. We're saved for a purpose. We're not saved just to sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. He's calling us to take part in the mission. And these disciples knew that, that they were ambassadors for God and his mission. Now, here's the thing. The enemy will tell you all sorts of things about your identity. The enemy is going to say all sorts of things like, 
if they really knew who you were, if Jesus really knew who you were, he wouldn't really love you. The enemy will whisper things like, you can't make a difference. The enemy will whisper things, you're just going to get hurt like you did last time when you got close to relationship with other people, when you chose to serve, when you chose to step out. The enemy is going to say things like, you don't have what it takes, you can't be used. You can't make a difference. You're not qualified. You don't know enough. The enemy will use everything he can to keep you from understanding your identity and living out the mission that Jesus has called you to. But don't ever forget what Jesus says about you. Don't ever forget that it's Jesus' voice that is actually the truth, not the voice of the enemy. And the only way we can distinguish between the two is if we're committed to reading this. We're committed to hearing from Jesus. But Jesus has saved you for a purpose. And number two, I want you to notice the disciples, they had a surrendered heart to be equipped and a heart for others. They were completely surrendered in this moment. Now, they weren't, they're not always surrendered in the Gospels. They're not always surrendered. You remember when there's 5,000 people and they're coming in and it's time for them to eat? And the, the, in, in fairness to the disciples, they've actually been in, doing ministry all day long. And now there's 5,000 people, just men, not including women and children, that are coming and it's time to eat. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, can you send these people home so they can go get something to eat because we don't have enough to feed them? And AKA, what they're saying is, we're tired. And we've only got some loaves and fish. And Jesus looks at them, and you know, remember what he says to them? You feed them. Jesus, we don't have enough to feed them. But Jesus isn't talking about that. He's talking about serve them and love them. But in this story, Jesus says, I'm going to send you out. And they're like, okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. I don't hear them saying, I don't have time to serve. I don't hear them saying, I only serve where I'm gifted, Jesus. I'm not gifted in that. I don't hear them saying, I'm not being fed, Jesus. It's uncomfortable for me to serve. I'm not going to do it. I don't hear any of that. What I hear them saying is, let's go. Let's go. The disciples, number three, took action with the opportunity that Jesus provided and they walked in obedience. And here's what you need to understand. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I'm not really experiencing Jesus in my life. Where are you walking in obedience? Because obedience is how you actually experience God. God calls us and we have to decide if we're gonna respond and obedience is how we actually experience God. It's actually on-the-job training is how Jesus actually equips his followers. You notice Jesus doesn't, he doesn't go, we're going to do a certification course today on how to minister and be equipped for the mission. Everybody gather around. He goes, hey, you guys, go do it. Go do it. On-the-job training. Just dive in. And if you're willing... I'll actually use you. Will you make mistakes? 100% you're going to make mistakes. That's part of the process. But dive in. Head first. And when that happens, miracles begin to take place, you guys. And I don't care where you're at following Jesus, whether it's your first time learning who he is or whether you've been following him for 20 years. 
dive in head first on the job let's go let me tell you a quick story of what God's doing in our church in people's hearts and minds when it comes to that mindset that mentality there's a gal that's been to our church now today three times three Sundays in a row she came three weeks ago she came because she's trying to figure out who Jesus is she doesn't know who Jesus is she came to church three weeks ago and then she was brave enough to show up at my house for home group on Sunday night that night. And she's admittedly in front of a bunch of strangers said, um, I, I'm trying to figure out who Jesus is. I've got a family that for the most part hasn't, doesn't know who Jesus is. Her, her, her biological father is a Christian. Her stepdad and her, her mom, not believers. She's like, I, I just feel drawn to Jesus like he's my older brother that I'm supposed to learn from and, and cry on his shoulder and learn from. And, and I don't know what's next, but I'm here. A couple of days later, she reaches out to me. What Bible should I buy? She's at Barnes & Noble. Buying a Bible. And guess what? She's been reading it and praying every day, she said. Every day I'm reading the book of John and I'm praying. And these were her own words. She said this, I'm taking a leap of faith. I guess I'm just diving in head first. You want to be equipped for mission? You're called to be equipped for mission. You know how you do it? Dive in head first. And guess what? She doesn't realize it, but Jesus is equipping her right now for the future. Are you with me, church? There's going to come a day where she's going to be sitting with someone else and they're going to go, I'm trying to figure out who Jesus is. She's going to go, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. She's going to go to Barnes & Noble, buy a Bible. Here's the thing, though. Before you're obedient, there's always a crisis of belief. There's always the lies. There's always the enemy. Jesus is inviting you into something and you've got to adjust your life to what he's doing, to what he's inviting you into. And serving Jesus is the hardest thing you will ever do. Being equipped for the mission of living a life on mission is the hardest thing you will ever do. Because it's gonna require you to unlearn some things. It's gonna require you to say no to your flesh. It's gonna require you to say yes to the spirit of God and the spirit that, that lives within you and to adjust your life to what he's doing. And it's gonna be difficult. And there's gonna be a lot of times where you actually aren't obedient, where you're actually not obedient to Jesus. You actually fail. And Jesus will welcome you back with love and forgiveness and he'll say, it's time to get back on the road. Let's go. But you know what also is amazing about following Jesus and serving Jesus and being equipped by Jesus in the mission of Jesus is it's the most fulfilling thing that you will ever experience in your life because it's actually what you're designed and made for. You're actually made to be equipped for mission. And the reality is, is Jesus is calling you to get into the game. He's calling you to get in and dive in head first. The question you've got to ask yourself when it comes to getting into the game and being equipped for the mission, the question you've got to ask yourself is where are you? Are you in the stands? Tough football game last night with Boise State, right? 
It was the refs' fault, right? No. Refs never win and lose a game for a football team. A lot of people in the stands. Is that where you're at with your faith and being equipped for the mission? Are you in the stands? Are you on the bench? And let me just say this. Some of you are on the bench because you need to get healed up. You got to get healed up. But you don't stay on injured reserve forever, right? Eventually, you're not in the stands, you're on the bench. Eventually, you got to get into the game. Jesus is inviting you to get into the game by diving in and choosing to be the church, choosing to be equipped for Jesus' mission, choosing to be a part of an amazing body of people that have chosen to not just be consumers, but to be spiritual contributors, to choose to be an army of disciples who get equipped for the mission, to say yes to Jesus. What does that look like? Jesus, after he resurrected in Acts chapter 2, it said this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Does this look like your life? Because this is the methodology from which Jesus births his church. And he's inviting you to get into the game. A couple of stories I want to share with you about just things that Jesus is doing and the lives that are being changed and transformed. People that are saying, I'm going to dive in head first. I think about Scott McMiniman, who this hour is serving over in Life for Kids, and he's a single guy, big guy. He's from Boston, Massachusetts, from New Jersey. And this guy, Jesus is getting hold of his heart. And a couple months into being here at Real Life, he realized, he's like, there's only women in the classroom. Go, yep. He goes, well, I want to help with that. Because there's boys that need to see godly men loving Jesus and showing them what it means to follow Jesus. And if I can help in that way, throw me in there, coach. He literally said that. Throw me in there, coach. I'll go talk to Jenny. So twice a month, he's in there showing kids what it means to follow Jesus. But here's what's cool. Because he's learning that, he lives in the subdivision over here, and he's like, there's this neighbor that I have, single mom. She's got some boys, and one of them has got so much energy. He loves to rake up leaves. Well, I decided to invite him over to rake up my leaves. Little does he know, I'm going to pay him for raking up my leaves. But he's going to come over to my house rake up leaves. He goes, but I'm doing this so I can build relationships so eventually maybe one day they'd come to real life and come to church here. Scott understands he needs to be a disciple who makes his disciples and he's getting equipped for the mission by serving and loving on those kids and discipling those kids and one of those kids is my my boy 
And you know what? On Saturday, when my son has a football game, do you know who's there about 80% of the time? Scott. He's equipped for mission. He's getting into the game. What about Jenna Dodge? Jenna Dodge just last week reaches out to me and she goes, we pray for my friend Courtney who came to our baptism Sunday when we got baptized a couple weeks ago. We pray for her. She's a single mom. Her whole, her and all of her kids have got COVID. I said, yeah, I'll pray. I go, how can we minister? She's like, I don't know. Maybe some meals. I said, let's start a meal train. She says, okay, I'll do it. How do I, how do, I do that? I go, here's the link. She starts it, launches it, pours it out to people. Says, you may want to help Courtney out. Just being a blessing. I want to tell you something. When you take a meal to somebody, you're getting equipped for mission. You're changing someone's life. The reason why I know that is because I hear about it from the people all the time. Heard about it again this week. A gal who has never come to our church found us online, asked to meet with me, trying to figure out Jesus, trying to love her family. Been talking to her for about four weeks. This last week, her and her two kids were in a tragic razor accident. Her two kids have been in the hospital. And I said, we're here for you. Can I start a meal train? She's like, uh, let me think about it. Then she got home with her kids that one of her her boys is going to need multiple surgeries. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty overwhelmed. I think a meal train would be good. I said, I'm on it. Within 24 hours, 10 of you guys, 10 families from real life, signed up for meals for her. You know what she said? These people don't even know me. And they love me. I'm in shock. I don't know what her story is. I don't know if she'll ever come here. I don't know if she'll ever surrender to Jesus, but guess what? You're equipped for mission. You're called to serve. You're called to get in the game. And when you do a simple thing of taking a meal to someone, people go, who are you? Thank you. The McGinnis family, the McGinnis family recognized that our children's ministry was struggling. They just said, sign us up. Put us in the game serving and the reason why is because they understand this mindset and I want you guys to write this down okay write this down as disciples of Jesus we are called to see a need and fill a need we see a need we fill that need and Jesus he's equipping them from the very beginning go and preach the good news go and heal go and serve go and love go and be my church and when you do that you change the world a couple things i want you to think about when it comes to what that looks like practically this week when we take this home what next step of engagement and equipping is jesus inviting you to take what does it look like to learn to share your faith with others well it means being intentional and building more relationships with people it's that graphic 
Wherever I go, Jesus goes with me and he wants me to love the world like he loves the world. So how can I build relationship with this person so they would experience the love of Jesus and maybe, just maybe, by God's amazing grace, there would be an opportunity where they would ask why I do what I do or maybe, maybe tragedy strikes and you could love them more and serve them more and they would say, why would you do this? I can say, because I'm a follower of Jesus and this is what I'm called to do. That graphic, we're gonna start talking about what it means to, to, to live on mission in our homes. We're gonna start talking about that next week. Parents, get ready. We're gonna talk what it means to live on mission at home. We're gonna talk about marriage. What does it look like to love and lead your spouse? But that other graphic towards the end of the sermon series, we're gonna talk about what does it mean to live a life on mission in our community, in our work. And here's what happens. Here's what happens when you just live intentionally. See a need, fill a need. This, this week, yesterday, getting ready for our football game. One of the kids comes up to me, he goes, Hey, you done any baptisms lately? What? I go, we, we did some a couple weeks ago. I go, How, how'd you know I do baptisms? He's like, I, I saw it on social media. I go, do you go to church? He's like, no. You ever been to church? No. Then he asked me this question. What's it like to be baptized? I said, it's an amazing experience, man. It's an amazing experience with Jesus. He goes, huh. And he runs off. I have no idea how he saw that on social media. I have no idea what his story is going to be. I have no idea what opportunity is going to come next. Maybe that'll be the only thing that comes. But the seed has been planted, church. And Jesus is doing a work in his life. That's why I coach football. That's why I coach baseball because I got to be in the community living a life on mission because Jesus wants everyone to be saved, everyone to be reconciled. What does it look like for you to build relationships with people and be on mission, inviting someone into your home to share a meal with them, serving someone where a ministry opportunity is, un, is known. By the way, uh, inviting someone in your home, uh, it's a really, really tough road right now. There's this whole thing called COVID happening right now. And people don't come into other people's homes anymore. I'm just going to keep inviting. Because there's something happens when you share a meal with someone. Connecting in a relationship, sharing your struggles with someone who is struggling to help encourage. Being vulnerable, transparent at home groups so others can see you aren't perfect. Finding a ministry in the church to serve in, to see a need, fill a need. Here's the thing. When you serve here, it's not the game. It's only practice. It's practice. This is practice. Because the game is Monday to Saturday. Are you with me? 
And when you practice here, it spills out in the rest of your life. And that's where Jesus begins to work. He works here. He works in the midst of practice. But it's out Monday to Saturday that he wants to use us. So what's your next step when it comes to being equipped for mission? And as we get ready for communion, I just want you to pray for two things as we get ready to share a meal with Jesus. The first one is, is what next step is Jesus inviting you to take? And number two, who is Jesus inviting you to minister to? Because there's somebody right now that's on your mind, that's on your heart, that Jesus has been talking to you about for a long time. And he wants you just to not quit praying for them, not quit serving them, not quit ministering to them. So what's your next step? Who does Jesus want you to pray for? Let's spend some time as we get ready for communion.